Welcome to Alter Your Comics Presents. I'm Alex. I'm Laura. And I'm Jared. And happy Mother's Day weekend-ish, depending on when you're listening to this. Yay. Yay. Happy not Mother's Day also, for those of us that are not mothers. So. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so, but with Mother's Day, um, we decided, hey, that's a good enough holiday that we can talk about comic books being related to that. So let's talk about some famous and or our favorite comic book moms. Who would like to go first? Jared, that's nice of you to raise your hand. <laughs> Everyone saw it, too. For the record, I did not have my hand raised. You cannot prove that. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, so my first one, one of my favorite comic book character moms, was in Why the Last Man. It was Yorick Brown's mom, Jennifer. Uh, she was a U.S. congresswoman in the House of Representatives, and um, she was obviously the mother of Yorick and his sister hero uh she's part of the democratic party but she was had a strong opposition to abortion so she was you know she was pro-life yeah she was left-leaning but not far left you know so but after the plague she became the secretary of interior because you know all the men had died and she just moved up pretty much so um yorick after you know trying to find everybody and or just trying to survive, breaks into the White House where she's staying because they basically barricaded off the White House and holed up there and broke in and scared the crap out of her to where she hip-tossed him to the ground. I always liked that. His mom beat the crap out of him. So the moral of the story, end of the world, I want my mommy. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> but you might think twice about it, too. Yes. Yes, and you gotta be careful with that. So... But uh, she's uh, talks to him about saving the human race, and you know now that he's like the only male, it's kind of a responsibility for him. And while they're kind of reuniting, there's an attack on the White House by the Republicans. So she locks him in this uh, like time locked vault to where he's able to escape because Yorick's an escape artist, and kind of stops the fight. And afterwards, the new president, who used to be the Secretary of Agriculture, sends him on the mission of saving the human race. Uh, later, um, she thinks that Yorick's been kidnapped by a cultist group, or not really cultist. They're called the Culper Ring, but I really don't know how to describe who they are. A terrorist organization. Yeah, kind of like a terrorist organization. So she informs a character called Alter of her son's existence because uh, she's the leader of a commando unit in the Israeli army, and basically that's the only organized military at the time. So, but uh, things go south on that, and later in the series, Alter ends up shooting and killing Jennifer Brown, his mom. A sad ending for her, but uh, I always liked her because, you know, she was tough. And she helped him figure out what to do next, like, all right, uh, end of the world, what should I do? Yep. And uh, go to the government, have them tell you what to do. Right. Just having to be his, the government was also his mom. Right. Yeah, so Jennifer Brown from Why the Last Man. All right. Laura, who do you have on your list? I picked Liz Allen as one of my mothers because I thought she had a bit of an interesting history. Um, for people who don't know, she's sort of, well, she's a more major character in Spider-Man now, but I think that it's been developing more, and at first she was more of a, a side character. Um, originally, she kind of showed up with Betty Brant and was... A potential love interest for Peter. And I liked some of her very early appearances where Betty and her met MJ before Peter ever did. And they're like, well, we've got no chance now because they thought MJ was a bombshell. And for the viewers, you'd always see MJ obscured by like flowers and different things. And the only characters who, the only way you could 
tell what you thought MJ looked like was from their expressions. So that was an interesting use of Liz in the early days of Spider-Man. And eventually she married Harry Osborn, and they had their son Normie, so that's how she became a mother. And she also, in an interesting way of looking at it, I think, she's the mother of Alchemax, which becomes in the 2099 series and in a few offshoots... Is it Alchemax now in the current series? I think it is currently okay. Alchemax as well. It was, oh shoot, what was the business that... Allen uh, Chemical? Yes, that's yep. what it was. And it also combined with Horizon Labs and Oscorp is what I read on the internet. Cool. I, I missed that part when it actually happened. I don't know if I was even... Like, I've taken long breaks from Spider-Man and I don't have a complete history, but I try to piece it all together. But yeah, she founded Allen Chemical and I don't... I wasn't able to find much information on how that came about. Like, why? She doesn't seem to have anything to do with chemistry or science or anything. But all of a sudden, she has a chemical business, and then she combined it, like I said, with those other two companies to make Alchemax. And in the future, in 2099, that's like the evil corporation that runs almost the entire... I want to say the entire world, but at least all of Nueva, New York. Or I guess Nueva, York. It controls that's a lot. It. Yeah. But yeah, and also she adopted... Her son, or I guess her sort of stepson, Stanley. Although I guess I shouldn't say, like, I'm not sure if that's, like, official paperwork-wise, but she's always taking care of Stanley, who Harry actually had with Lily Hollister. And I thought it was timely to mention that as well, because Lily Hollister is becoming a character of importance in the recent Black Cat run. So if you want to read more about Lily Hollister, she's in Black Cat number four that came out last month, I believe. So yeah, that's a little bit about Liz Allen and her two children, Normie by Blood and... Stanley by technical adoption. Uh, first one on my list is Mystique from the X-Men fame. <clears throat> Cut that part out. Mystique is known for having adopted Rogue originally, where Rogue was just an orphan. I believe she was just an orphan, just on the streets or whatever. And Mystique's like, hey, I can be your mom. And then, hey, you have powers. I can use that for super villainy. And she later ended up giving, or you find out later that she also gave birth to Nightcrawler, which makes sense. Nightcrawler is blue and elfish and, She's blue and shapeshifty. I don't so. think you're supposed to say it that way. I mean, it's <laughs> genetics, so it is what it is. Because I know in the origins of Nightcrawler, they always said, like, oh, he was born blue with, like, his weird mm -hmm. hands tail. and tail and demon-looking almost. So it's like, oh, it makes sense that if he his body is bo born differently, it's because, well, Mystique, she would always change her body. So it's possible that she shapeshifted while pregnant, not knowing, and that might have messed with him a little bit. Mystique is always flirted with being a good guy or a bad guy, usually more so on the villain side, but she's had the possibility of being good. Right now in the current X-Men stuff, she is a, quote, hero. She's a Krakoan, so I don't know how good they really are, but they're at least not fighting each other actively. So, uh, yeah, Mystique, uh, she always stood out to me of being weird and mysterious. So, it's a cool power, too, to shapeshift. Uh, it makes me think that, wait, that means she's running around naked all the time to shapeshift, which is just odd. Whatever, I guess. Sacrifices. I mean, yeah. I mean, she shapeshifts to look like she's wearing clothes. So yeah. there's that, I guess. Yeah, who was the, the actress? Wasn't it like someone, Romaine Stamos, was her in one of the X-Men movies? And people were not upset at all that they had to paint on her costume? Uh, maybe <laughs> I'm bad with names. I know okay. she was in the first class in the prequels. It was um, Jennifer Lawrence Yeah, was her. That always remind me of the, the with her too with the first X Men movie how they figured out oh she is not or she, when she tried to be Wolverine it was easy to tell that she wasn't Wolverine because he cut it, he cut her claws off and 
his didn't break and hers were just part of like flesh. Yeah. That sounds uncomfortable. Yeah, I mean it's not great, so but at least she's she is hard to kill because with her shape shifting she always moves like her vital organs around within her body while still looking normal. She's that good, I guess. So Phew. Yeah, that would be that'd be a mess. Yeah. But I mean it's a good <laughs> survival if you know you're going to combat. Hey, they're aiming for my head to kill my brain. Well, I'll just move my brain then. Yeah. That's so. <laughs> to be uncomfortable, but Whatever. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> I would think running around naked would be uncomfortable too. Yeah. Be cold. It'd be real cold. Yeah. Because yeah, you don't have any heat like middle yeah. of winter or anything. You just said she can move around her organs and things, so she can probably move her arteries and veins and eat what she needs to. Maybe. Yeah. We'll go with that. Yeah. I would be afraid <laughs> of walking it, especially in New York City. Like, you, who knows what you might step in? <laughs> oh yeah. Or on or anything. I've seen Die Hard. Walking on glass. That doesn't look good. Nope. But yeah, uh, Mystique, that is the first one on my list. Jared, yeah. who's next on yours? Uh, next on my list was Talia al Ghul from the Batman fame. She and Batman had a baby together and named it Damien. Well, she did. He didn't even know he was around. So uh, it's kind of takes place in the story of the Son of the Demon. Uh, Ra's al Ghul uh, asked Batman to help him defeat a rogue assassin who uh, had murdered his wife. And it's the murder that Talia witnessed when she was a child. So, uh, but during the storyline, Batman marries Talia. They do things together. They have uh, conjugal relations and she gets pregnant. It is kind of implied on uh, that Talia may have slipped something into Batman's drink and kind of drugged him. So there's that. Other story arcs say, yeah, it was purely, you know, they both wanted it. So it just depends on who you're reading and who's writing it kind of thing right there but uh batman is nearly killed protecting talia from an attack by assassins and basically talia says uh he's gonna continually have to defend me i've got to let him go so she fakes a miscarriage and they uh, dissolve the marriage but it's later revealed that she did not have a miscarriage and she had a son named damien Surprise! So, but Talia didn't raise Damien right away. Instead, she put him in uh, the company of the League of Assassins at a very young age to where they basically trained him to be a ruthless killer who, whose only mission is killing Batman. So, But as they meet in a Grant Morrison run that had Man-Bat in it, I don't know what issues those were, I but no it's been one. a while. It's, I think it was before New 52 and everything. I don't anyway. Know. Yeah, anyway. But uh, yeah, uh, Damien basically chooses to follow in his father's footsteps and be a hero. So Talia <laughs> doesn't like that. So she clones Damien and uh, the clone is named Heretic. And I believe that Heretic is the one who killed Damien. But Damien only stayed dead for a little bit in Batman Incorporated. He was kind of like a beast. Like, yeah, thing, like, yeah wasn't, something like he that. He was a full human. It yeah, was, like, the weird. story arc was okay. Because that was right before <laughs> New 52. So hesitant. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's kind of hard to remember some of this because like New 52 hit so shortly after that. Was that in New 52 that. or is that right before I think that, that was, it may have it been real, in 52, it yeah. It was real close. I want to say it was in 52 because that's when I started reading and I thought that happened early on with that. It could be, yeah. But it's just, with the New 52 stuff, it just... Some of it was bad, some of it was good, and some of it, I don't remember what happened when. So, Talia al Ghul, right. mother of Damian Wayne. The demon. The demon. All right, uh, Laura, who's next on your list? I think I'll go the Mary Jane route next. Although, technically, in most of the 616 world, she is not actually a mother, or she's only mis- miscarried and all that. But in the alternate universes, like the Marvel 2 universe... I don't know the real numbers, but people, you can Google that yourself. Sorry I know that. the main one was 616. Yep. 
That's about it. Me too. (laughs) The one that uh, J.J. Abrams and his son wrote, she was a mom. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But she was also kind of dead most of those issues, too. Yeah. (laughs) I don't want to focus on that. But she was a mom. (laughs) Well, I mean, spoiler, spoiler alert, spoiler alert. Yeah, she wasn't dead the entire time. She was under some possession, and then she came back to full steam at the end. Yeah, it was a complicated story. And uh, your your mileage may vary, but anyway, Mary yeah. Jane as a mom. Oh yeah. Um. So when I really enjoyed her the most and actually was paying attention was when she was Mayday's mom because Mayday Parker Spider Girl is what I read growing up. Like got every issue, I think. Pretty sure. I completed but, your collection. Yep, that sounds right. Like I feel like we might be missing. Well, I think Amazing Spider Man Family isn't quite Spider Girl, but she like shows up in. Or at least but, we had all of them. You gave them to your niece, so hopefully we get them back someday. Someday. But yeah, in this universe, um, Mary Jane, she's also the mother of Benjamin Parker, who they usually call Benji. And so that's a cool dynamic, too, where May and Ben are like 16 years apart in age. And so May is sort of babysitting him a lot, and he's already showing his spider powers. And there's a few issues where that's an issue. And in this world, Mary Jane was a fashion designer, although she eventually becomes a school guidance counselor. And I'm not sure if that's just to like creep on Mayday and make sure that she's doing okay and be more present in her life. Another thing, when I was Googling this, I didn't realize they claimed on Wikipedia that Mary Jane was the one who founded the spider shop that shows up in, it's in volume two of the Spider Girl volumes that you can get now from the comic shop. Um, at some point, someone decided to like monetize and profit off of all the spider memorabilia. And it turns out, according to Wiki at least, that it was Mary Jane did it to make a college fund for Mayday and Benji. And I was like, that's hilarious that she kind of went behind their backs and trademarked all this stuff so she could sell gear. And at one point, the reason it shows up is Spider-Girl, I forget if she's banned or for some reason she loses her costume. So she buys a cheap one from the spider shop. And it also helps hide her identity because when someone finds it, she's like, yeah, I'm just embarrassed that I went and shopped at this place. Like I didn't actually. I'm not actually Spider-Girl, that sort of thing. And another thing to throw in about Mary Jane in this M2 universe is that she's kind of like a mom to Normie, and she does a lot of coaching to him. I guess kind of like the school guidance counselor part two, but um, because he's insane in pretty much every universe ever. He's an Osborne, so they're all messed up. Yeah, but yeah, she always is giving him advice and saying, you and my daughter used to play in the sandbox together. Like, don't you remember the good times? Like, remember your youth. It wasn't that bad. Forget your grandpa. So yeah, Mary Jane as a mother. Oh, side note too, in Renew Your Vows, which was, how many years ago was that? Uh, That was a couple years ago now. I guess it was before we got married, so at least four. Yeah. We're right there. And her daughter in that series was Annie, and she was called Spiderling when she used her powers. And I didn't realize that her initials were AMP, Annie Mae Parker, so I thought that was a cute word, AMP. So that is MJ. I will go next with Jessica Jones. Uh, famous for the Defenders and her Netflix show entitled Jessica Jones. Um, in the comics, she was a mother to Danielle Cage. So her and Luke Cage hooked up and got married, had had a baby, or at least they got. Yeah, yeah, they are married. That's right. So yeah, where she is one of the newer moms in the Marvel Comics universe. Uh, Jessica Jones is actually created early two thousands by Brian Michael Bendis in the Alias series. So she is definitely one of just Marvel's one of their newer characters in general, considering, you know, most of them were most of the famous ones were made in the 60s and such. So 
that's pretty impressive for a new character to have her own TV show and everything and had her own kid where Jessica has struggled with drug addiction and intimacy issues and just all around bad behavior. Alcohol is what Laura just signaled that you may not see or you should not see on the podcast because this is an all, all audio. Someday we could do some YouTube stuff. Yeah, someday. We'll see. That's a whole lot of extra work that I don't want to do. But anyway. You do it on cut. <laughs> right. Uh, so yeah. Jessica Jones, where she is someone that kind of did not have her life put together and then had a kid, like, all right, time to actually go on the straight and narrow, and has for the most part since then. I mean, there have been a few issues where she has gone, like, undercover to revert her back to her old PI ways, where it's not the best family environment. But, yeah, I think she's a cool character. She's super strong, and I don't remember if she can, I think she can fly. I'm not positive. She didn't in the Netflix series. I know she didn't in that, but I was thinking that she did fly. I don't know. Maybe Luke threw her. But her superhero identity, which lasted all of like five minutes, was the character Jewel. I did not even know that. Neither did I. Yeah. They actually teased it, or it was an Easter egg within the show. I remember season one or season two, where it's like, oh, you mean wear a costume like this? No, screw that. And yeah, she did not last as a superhero. She'd much rather just be herself. She's still a superhero. She just doesn't have a super identity. Right. I mean, I guess, yeah. Still. So, yeah, that is Jessica Jones. Jared, who's the last person on your list? All right. The last person on my list, this is kind of a short little narrative about her, but it's Linda Park West, um, wife of Wally West. Um, She was a TV reporter who ended up marrying The Flash, and uh, her and Wally had a set of twins, uh, Jay and Iris West. But uh, during Infinite Crisis, uh, one of the key points was all of The Flash's attacked superboy prime to put him into the speed force well that was too much power for him and he kind of like went away like uh barry did kind of but before he did he was able to go visit uh linda and the kids to say goodbye but she holding the twins basically grabbed onto him and got sucked into the speed force along with them so um bart allen actually became the new flash at that time and his series ran for like 13 or 15 issues i think it was 13 but uh, yeah, he got killed, and later on during Justice League, uh, the Legion of Superheroes brought Wally and his family back, and they were—they basically found out that they uh, had been living on an alien planet that the Flash had previously saved, and Linda was uh, learning all new medical technology and alien science and everything and when they got back the twins began aging rapidly so and they and they were much older since they were only gone for a few months but they were older and so she basically becomes their doctor and caregiver as she helps wally and they basically figure out what's wrong with the kids uh and help them out and uh she actually went back to her journalist career during Flash Rebirth when uh, Barry Allen came back. So uh, beyond that, they they started doing the New 52 stuff and... Retconned a whole bunch. Yeah. So, But yeah, that was a really fun short series that was after the Flash uh, Bart Allen series when he came back and up until Flash Rebirth. And Laura, who's the last one on your list? I want to do an honorable mention so I don't forget. Okay. Um, I probably should have talked more about Aunt May, but I slipped and I didn't get very much done. But I did also read today that her birthday is actually yesterday, May the 5th. So she's a good 
good mother to think about on her birthday. May the 5th is May Day. All May's days are May Days. But that one's specifically May's Day. Oh, at first, sorry, I was thinking of the wrong May Day. Okay, now I get what you're getting at. That was a pun. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, it, so, it, it was so punny that I didn't get it because I was thinking of Mayday Parker still. I, I wonder what birthday she has. Doesn't matter. Yes, it does. I will Google uh, it. <laughs> it might be hard to find them. But anyways, I also wanted to talk about as a another timely mother, because part of the idea I had was that we should talk about people who are still currently in comics or like new comics or get you interested in new things. So this series that I didn't expect to enjoy, The Autumnal, it's on issue six now, and it's following the life of Kat Somerville, who's the mother and is October 31st. I didn't realize she's a... Um, trick-or-treater. Uh, a <laughs> Halloween, a a Halloween a baby for, <laughs> for Mayday Parker, Spider-Girl there. But anyways, so Kat Somerville, in this book, she finds out that her own mother has passed away and left her house to her. So she returns to her childhood home of Comfort Notch, and she's slowly discovering, as she's trying to get her own daughter, Sybil, a.k.a. Mistress Explosion Destroyer, which I always think is a a cute nickname, because this girl seems to have some anger issues. And so she's... Kat is trying to get Sybil situated in Comfort Notch and get her acclimated to all the people, and the people are acting weird, and Kat is starting to remember why she left and she's starting to realize that what she she thought she left just because oh she was pushed away and she didn't like it and blah 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 but she's starting to realize there's more to it that there's kind of some conspiracy going on with the town and they all know some things that she has either forgotten or never knew to begin with and she's doing a lot of research at the town hall like actually breaking into the back vaults of the library to get old newspaper clippings and find out the secret the town is keeping from her. Why is this and, town so weird? Yeah. yeah. And it's, I'm trying to remember. Nope, I don't remember the name of the lady. But there's this, like, children's poem that they keep talking about, too. And as she's doing her research, she finds out the poem was real and it had other, other like, phrases to it. You know how, other like, words. you forget verses. That's it, verse. Like, she, she was remembering the beginning verses and then there were changes to it and it made more sense and became more real. Yeah, it's like yeah. their town's version of Where You Run the Rosie. They have their yeah. own urban legend behind it and everything. Yeah. And so it's a really good story, I think, so far. And I think it's pointing out the kind of mom the cat is, that she's trying to protect her daughter. Like, that's the main purpose, I think, of the story so far. Like, find like she, a good home for her. Like, she doesn't have the best, like, she doesn't have the best head on her shoulder, like, with the whole worldview, but she is still focusing on what she can on her kid. Take care of mm-hmm. A good mom to mention for Mother's Day. All right, and the last one on my list is Sue Storm from the Fantastic Four. Uh, from the first family, the Fantastic Four, the Future Foundation, all the FFs uh, of the Marvel Universe, where she is the mother of Val and Franklin Storm, where she has, you know, her invisible, where she's the invisible woman, so she goes invisible, but she also has, like, solid invisible barriers that she makes. She used that to help the team and the family and everything. And she balances the life of, you know, being a mom and being a superhero without a hidden identity. Everyone knows who they are. Everyone knows where they live. Um, enemies can attack them. Not the, you know, best idea to do that. Right. But, yeah. So, Sue Storm, I think she's cool. And she's one of the first characters within the Marvel Universe. And the first mom. 
So yeah, uh, Sue Storm, uh, she's a cool character, and she's worth mentioning. Any other fast honorable mentions, quick picks? Uh, one was a Catwoman from Earth something or other. Earth 2 at one time, where she, her and Bruce Wayne had a daughter named Helena, who became the Huntress. And I'm going to do Alana from Saga. There you go. I was going to say you forgot to <laughs> annoy that person. There you go, Al. That's for you. Yep. Uh, saga, Saga, Saga. Oh, and Jessica Drew. When your Jessica Jones comes up, I always think of Jessica Drew because I can't keep them apart. The Spider Woman. Spy- that's the one I'm thinking yep. of. I can think of the cover where she's like in a red shirt or something and she's like holding her, it was her, her yeah. belly. That was, I want to say like three years ago now. It wasn't that years. long ago. Yeah, I've got them if you need them. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was when she was pregnant, and you find out who the father is, which is some random donor. Yep. So Very disappointing. Yeah, it was kind of let down. It's like, oh, who's it going to be? Is it going to be the... No one. Uh, Jean Grey, also from the X-Men. Mentioned her. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. She's the mother of Rachel Summers, Nathan Grey, Nathan Summers, depending on which universe they're in. They're all from the different universes. None of them are actually from the main comic book universe. They're, or, I guess, no, the one was... Cable was the son of the clone of Jean Grey, Madeline Pryor, which got launched in the future. They back. It's X Men, guys. It's a mess. But she's sort of technically a mom, depending on what timeline you're looking at. <laughs> there you go. Um, Queen Hippolyta from Wonder Woman. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yep. Good. All I'm, the Marthas. Well done on pronouncing the name. I don't ask me to do it again. Yeah. It just <laughs> popped out, and we're gonna roll with it. I don't even know how that's the correct correct pronunciation. No clue. That sounds right. Then we're going to go with it. Yeah. Like Laura said, all the Marthas, Martha Wayne, Martha uh, Kent, and I don't, I can't think of any other Marthas in the Oh, Mary Grayson. Sure. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Harley yeah. Quinn in some realities. Yeah, maybe Harley that's Quinn. only in White Knight, maybe. The, cur- sure. the Curse of the White Knight. Yeah, I don't know. It's the White Knight timeline okay. where she had Ooh. the twins of the Joker, or just even when she's the mom of her hyenas, because mm-hmm. they're yeah. her babies. Yeah. There was uh, one uh, Cheshire. From uh, DC Teen Titans fame, uh, her and Roy Harper had a child together named Leanne, and she was basically a bad guy, so Roy Harper had custody, you know. Uh, Lois Lane. Lois Lane, yep, to Jonathan oh, yeah. Kent. Oh, yeah. There's a whole Wasn't, bunch of moms out there that are really good. Isn't there a Connor Kent somewhere along the way, too? Or? Yeah, okay. that's a clone of oh, Superman okay. and Lex Luthor. So one of them is his mom? Nope, they're both the fathers. <laughs> just go with that and just move on. There we go. <laughs> The cloning machine tried to relate it. The to cloning Mother's machine Day. was the mother. So, was the mother because that's what incubated. And in, I don't know. There you go. It's a stretch. Cloning machine. <laughs> there we go. The cl- to all cloning machines out there, including <laughs> the clone machine that made uh, Connor Kent, Ben Riley, also oh, Ben Riley, Kane. You know the clone. Uh, the whole from clone Camino. Saga. Yeah. And we'll yeah. talk about the jackal on Father's Day. There we go. <laughs> So yeah, those are some famous mothers and moms of comic books. So yeah, happy Mother's Day, y'all. Happy Mother's Day. And with that, we'll move on to our favorite comic books that came out this week, the week of May the 5th. Be with you. It doesn't sound as bad. This is the May. This is the May. I saw that one on Facebook. Revenge of the 5th, even though we're recording on Revenge of the 6th. So yeah. All right. So what books stood out to you guys this week? Um, uh, So my first pick was uh Noctur- Noctera number three by Scott Snyder and Tony Daniel. Um, this picks up right where we leave off pretty much. Well, sort of. Um, it starts with what I thought was a flashback. 
I believe, from a couple of kids, and they're like watching the news, and the news is like, okay, if you know, if their people's eyes glow, get away from them, type thing. Don't open your door for anybody, even your parents. They might be infected. It's like and, COVID. Yeah. <laughs> so they, you know, start hearing their parents' voices from the other side of a door. So do they open it? Do they not? So you have to read to find out if they open the door. But it kind of switches over to uh, present day where they are being chased by the shadow man. I can't think of his, if they actually named him. I forget. Yeah, I don't remember. I'm, I'm going to have to reread this. This is, I think this is going to be really good if you start from the beginning and read them consecutively. But uh, there's a big car chase going on, and they are basically, I don't want to give spoilers away. So, quick recap mm-hmm. also for people that have, may be new to the podcast. This is also a post-apocalyptic world where darkness is in head of the earth, and people are people and beings are being affected by the, some dark virus of well, death. Yeah, they're being turned into what they call, like uh, when a person goes evil, they shade out. So. The shades. Yeah, but there's one guy who was claiming he was immune. Well, he was a couple he was issues from ago. A city that still has sunlight. Yes, that's it. Okay, he's, yes. He's not immune. He's saying. I was he's say, from a city once that. I said that, I didn't think it was right, but yeah. So he's got a journal that's basically he gave to the crew and the girls that are there, and he's having a bad day. So yeah, yeah but so they're trying to find this city where the sun still still exists and everything like that. So. I'm looking forward to see where they're going with this next. And it kind of flashes forward again to the beginning of the comic where the kids were at the door. I think it's the same kids, and they're in like a cave. And one of them, I think, is infected, and we don't know exactly uh, what's going to happen with them. They kind of leave it on a cliffhanger. All right. So, yeah, Noctera number three. I thought it was really good. This series is great. Tony Daniels' art's awesome. It's written by Scott Snyder, who's a pro. So, I love it. Uh, I'll jump in next with. A good one that I enjoyed this week was Eve number one. It's another post-apocalyptic book where this girl named Eve uh, starts with her like roaming around the a forest, you know, talking to herself, singing to a walkie-talkie. That was her. Uh, I believe it's her father that's supposed to be on the other end. And she's just you know living life, blah blah blah. Then you cut to a couple pages later where life was not what she thought it was. Uh, it looked like she was living in a simulation where. Her father was trying to train her and condition her for the real world by implanting these memories. Um, it's hard to tell how long she's been in this little like VR world or anything. But her father left behind a robot butler slash trainer slash guardian for her that takes the shape of her teddy bear that was in her her virtual reality. And it's pretty cool to see how it changes shape and like, oh, at one point she's really weak because you know she was in the the VR pod the entire time so she can't walk and like it grows gigantic metal legs and still the teddy bear little you know, body and arms and everything helping around and you find out that uh her life was not what she thought it was and kind of hard to figure out what's real what's not and what is going on within this world um i don't want to go too far into it because there's potential spoilers within it but it is a good one and definitely worth checking out that's that sounds e- really good i wish i would have picked that up now yeah it, it kind of reminds me of fallout because there have there's like their own little shelter that's their own like bunker that the fallout has and they're trying to figure out how to survive the real world of what's going on i'll check that out that sounds really good well you work this saturday so you check yeah. it out then there we go yeah it made me think a little of the matrix too when she came out of like the chamber yeah and, and was hungry and just disoriented 
All right, Laura, what stood out to you this week? Honestly, I think I'm going to have to tap out because you talked about Eve and I didn't really like a lot of the other things <laughs> I've read. I wish I'd read Heroes Reborn because I saw that um, Venom is in it for a few flashes uh, and Wind is going to be good, I'm sure. I guess I can jump in with Heroes Reborn then real quick. Yeah, you um, talk about Heroes. Heroes Tell Reborn, me what I missed. Heroes Reborn is back. They did it in the 90s and they're doing it again. Um, so far, this one is... I mean, it's hard to tell, but with one issue, it is better than what the previous Heroes Reborn was as a whole. So hopefully it'll stay the momentum and be good. But it's a world where the Avengers were never, they never came to be as the Avengers. And the only person I can remember what's going on is the Vampire Hunter Blade. He's like, oh, this isn't what's going on. Where's the Avengers? Where's Avengers Tower? Where's Avengers Mansion? Where's all this? It's not around. He doesn't know what's going on, how he got there. Um, so do the heroes individually exist? They still exist. From, well, I mean, the people still exist, not necessarily as heroes. So, so Tony Stark is there, but he may not be Iron Man. So this is the world where Tony Stark never got the shrapnel in his heart and became Iron Man. Uh, Captain America never got thought out and led the Avengers. Captain Marvel, uh, Carol Danvers, never became Captain Marvel. She's, she's just a pilot, and she has her bad attitude and has never even reached the rank captain. Thing. Um, and the main hero team is Squadron Supreme instead of the Avengers. For me, though, that's a hard sell. <clears throat> if you don't know Squadron Supreme, you're okay. Neither does anybody else. Um, Squadron Supreme is the Marvel version of the, the Justice League. Why, is, why does Marvel have a version of the Justice League? Because they wanted to. So we have the not Batman. We have the not Superman. Not Wonder Woman. Not... Green Lantern and not Flash as the Squadron Supreme. What are their real names? I don't know. I don't care. They're Squadron Supreme. I bet they're on these trading cards that came with But them. they are the trading cards. <laughs> that if you get while supplies last of issue number one, you get trading cards that actually form together a giant po- that they form together a poster that we also have on display in the store, which is kind of cool. And each card has the stats and everything behind each on the back of each character, which is fun. But yeah. This story, like I said, it's Squadron Supreme is the main heroes. I don't care about them, but it's still a surprisingly good story. Um, especially, this is kind of hard to say, when your expectations are so low, it's good to be not disappointed. And, I, and my expectations were very low, and I was not disappointed. There you go. So, it's worth, it's worth reading if you are curious at all of the heroes born from the, if you read it in the past, or if you just want to see basically a big what if the Avengers never actually existed. And how was Venom's role in it? Was it pretty minuscule? I'll be honest, I don't remember Venom in it at all. Okay, so. maybe I was wrong, but I could have sworn I saw him. But then again, if you had all those different characters. Oh, yes, there he is. Uh, okay. Yeah, he's, it's like a Venom-Red Skull combination. Oh, it's hmm. like the Death's Head costume yeah. from yeah. 2099. They call him the Black Skull. So. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I guess he's in there. That showed how much importance he had for me. Like, oh, was he? Oh, okay. That's a horrible com- for, you know, combination, but if you don't even remember him, that's not really written that well. Well, it's... That it's would, to me, that would be like a, a big-time villain. It's not even, I mean, it's very... It's just setting the world up like, oh, this is a character. That, this is how he exists. No. Oh, okay. It's not even really part of the story as much oh, as like, okay. oh, there's just it's this the also. They're probably setting up a bunch of names well, to they get are, ready. They are setting up a million different crossovers, also. Hmm. So, oh, yeah. that's right, because one of them's going to be Peter Parker's Shutterbug, I think. Yeah, is one that I signed up for. It is. There's a million things coming out with it. So, if you want to get invested in this world, there's plenty of opportunity. That's for sure. 
Um, but if you want to get invested in this and you want to care, add it to your pull list because the odds of it surviving on the shelf are not great. Uh, because Marvel is not going all in. They are still doing the regular publications as well. So they're still going to do actual Amazing Spider-Man. They're not going to stop production like what DC did with Future State where they stopped everything. This, they're going to keep doing, keep on going on. So you don't necessarily have to follow it, but it is an added thing. if you. Yeah. All right, Jared, what else do I to you? All right. This might be your pick also, Alex, but I've got to go with Star Wars War of the Bounty Hunters Prelude. That is my official pick of the week at the yes. store, yes. Uh, this was excellent. It's right after uh, Boba Fett has, or they've frozen Han Solo in carbonite. He's got Han Solo on Slave One and getting ready to fly to Jabba, but he's, uh, you know, checking Han's carbonation, uh, carbonite, uh, you know, how it's doing. And he's like either thawing or melting or, melting or rusting or and something. Near as we can tell, this is the first time quote within star wars world that they've ever actually frozen anybody in carbonite so this is a very untested procedure if i remember correctly in empire strikes back like uh we don't really normally do this for people but yeah. let's see what happens i think they did it once in the clone wars cartoon but for like general right. knowledge for i mean there's a couple right. jedi doing it rather than but here's some guy that we just threw in carbonite. it is a very rare practice it is more rare than what that you see in like the mandalorian tv show right that one like they've got they got down to a science this yeah. like oh it should work let's flash freeze and see what happens yeah what's the worst that could happen he dies I we mean, don't care <laughs> the bounty was dead or alive anyway yeah so, so he takes it to this uh doctor kind of like the uh cook from episode two that obi-wan meets about the dart if you remember all that um it's one of those creatures i don't know what they're called but uh yeah he says yeah i can i can repair this but you got to do something for me you well, know he's like i gotta do this but you gotta pay me double or yeah. he's got you gotta pay up front and right and yeah. was in a position where he has no credits he's like well can we do a trade so he uh asked boba to kill a character who is a champion in a fighting tournament of some kind of a gladiatorial mortal yeah. combat. So he signs up under the name of Django. No fat, just Django. Just Django. And he has a full black has, armor. Yeah. There's a temporary spray paint that'll de decay in like hours or something. Just keep his identity <laughs> hidden. Yeah. I and, didn't pay attention to the black stuff on his armor. Yeah. Is he, that a red versus blue reference? No, it was because <laughs> uh, I was like, hey, this armor, you know, people will want to kill me just because of they know who I am. Yeah. I need some sort of anonymity within it. Yeah. So instead of, you know, changing your armor or anything, nah, I'll just paint it black. They, they won't notice the color difference. They'll be yeah. fine. Yeah, but he goes in and he fights several creatures. Easily. Um, easily, you know, and he gets to the one he's supposed to kill, who is a giant spider lady. It reminds me of the spider lady from Saga, Al. It does. Hey, Al. Mm. <laughs> but yeah, uh, they do their thing and have their big battle. And, and no spoilers there. Let's just say this is the alpha, and the Star Wars War of the Bounty Hunters is a 35-issue storyline. Really? 35 How? issues, folks. Come on, Marvel. But with a <laughs> beginning like this, this I'm, it has I can be potential. all in. Yeah. My, my only problem is, yes, it's 35 issues. And that's counting. That is with the, it's crossing over of Star Wars, Vader, Dr. Aphra, and uh, the Bounty Hunters book. Plus, they're having a five-issue miniseries itself, plus one-shots. It's just, it's a massive, massive Star Wars story. And in comic book form, come on, guys, you're killing me. Yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> 35 parts, that's, that's too much. Better be good. <laughs> uh, 
And if, say, if it's going to be like this first issue, I'm all in. Right, I say it, it's too much, but yeah, if it's all if it keeps up this pace, then okay, I will be begrudgingly reading it all. <laughs> yeah, because this was excellent. This was a top-notch book. Yeah, yeah, you gotta follow the Beskar Brawler. Yeah, the Beskar Brawler, Django, and Beskar Mando Maniac. Yes. I liked his little wrestling names. <laughs> uh, some other books that stood out to me this week that I'll go over pretty quickly is The Good Asian, number one. This takes place in the early 40s, late 30s, 1930s, 1940s of uh, San Francisco, where there is a lot of racism towards Asian people because of the whole, you know, China and immigrant immigration and everything, where this guy is the, quote, good Asian, where he works for the police, he's an investigator, and he's doing his thing. Um I don't want to go into too much because it is kind of a deep story that I don't want to give away spoilers, but to give a feel of it, it's a very noir style story. Um, we were, I was talking to Mark earlier at the store. It's like a LA confidential kind of story. If you like the movie, then you may check that, check out that book. Um, another one that I want to mention quickly is wind number six. Wind is back folks. Uh, the trade is out. Definitely pick up the trade. If you can get it, we're sold out right now, but we're going to try to get back in. And pick up the single issues. I mean, you can get the first volume and the first issue, or first issue after the volume. Definitely check it out. It keeps up the story and the momentum. It's great. Keep reading it. Anything else to say out to you, Jared, then? Nope. All right. Laura, anything else, last chance, that you may have remembered? Um, well, I didn't actually read them, but if we're just throwing out names, Amazing Spider-Man number 65 also came out today. And so. this is the second to last story of that story arc of, what is it? King's Ransom? King's Ransom, yes. Really? The next issue of King's Ransom is going to be an oversized mega issue. Okay. That'll wrap up that story arc, and then they're going on to the Sinister storyline. Okay. Yeah, I didn't read any of the previews about that, and I I swear that King's Ransom, like, just started, so I'm surprised it only took four issues for this. Well, but I guess that the next one's going to be super huge. Right, it says so. in the back, ish, back of it of what it's going to be in next, where it's going to include. Uh, so, yeah. Spider-Man. Always Spider-Man. So, with that, we'll move to the part that Jared always forgets. I remember this time. You remember this time because yep, Laura, reminded text. You, Laura reminded you in the group text. <laughs> Maybe. You don't so, have to tell the, the audience that. No, I don't. You I'm, just I'm, say, I Jared, do. good job at remembering. Hey, I am all about honesty so, about this, so I'm going to be honest with that. And I'm actually going to go first to steal your thunder of my Hear of the Week. Uh, my Hear of the Week is our friend Caitlin because she got Laura a new job of sorts. I she, feel like that's cheating because she was my hero last week for the same thing. But I guess that's fair. She got you the interview last week, <laughs> uh, but the day after we recorded, we found out that you actually did get the offer, so you actually got the job. So I'm cheating, and I'm picking the same person. I think no, last week you said I was your hero because it's my birthday. Oh, okay, maybe it's two weeks ago that I did. Caitlin. Maybe, yeah. I swear, at some point I, I mentioned Caitlin. Congratulations on the new job. Thanks. So yeah, she's my hero of the week because hopefully that'll make you happier and <laughs> I'll stop beating you at home. Huh? <laughs> Let's just see what happens. Hopefully you enjoy the new job and can carpool with her, too. Yep. We'll see what happens. All right. So, Jared, who's your hero? My hero was Boba Fett because this issue, if you like Boba Fett in the Mandalorian series, you will like him here. He's just as tough and he actually does awesome. Stuff. He does stuff. <laughs> it's not the original trilogy of movies where he just stands there. He actually does stuff. Yes. And he's really, it's really good. It makes They're making Boba Fett really cool right now. Not just, you know... Going they're out finally, like a punk. They're finally making him really cool. Yeah, other than looking cool. Right. All right, Laura, who's your hero of the week? 
I was going to follow the mom theme, and I thought I'd throw out Sarah Stover, our friend who's a mom, and I was thinking about how she was doing those videos for a while where she's drinking her wine, hiding from the kids in the closet, talking about the issues of COVID, and I thought that was very inspirational work on her part. So she's my hero for that memory today. Inspired us to not be parents. Yep. Well, I mean, we, we were already very inspired. Oh, but yeah. Continued to remind us. Right. It's, it's fun to watch someone else. It's more fun to not be involved. Like, all right, let's just, you have fun with that drama and we, we'll just, we'll, we'll feel bad for you. We like being her sanctuary right. when she needs to escape from the closet. We'll be a safe space. <laughs> we'll, we'll have alcohol at the ready. So, all right. With that, folks, we'll say that's another show. We'll see you next time. And happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day, moms. And yeah, peace out. Rattle, 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 rattle. Sorry, I think I did extra bad. That was much louder than I thought it was going to be. I can mute the channels afterwards, so.